welcome to episode 99 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les. Tonight, I'm talking to a man who really doesn't need much of an introduction, Brad Dowdy, the pen addict. We're going to discuss using the good stuff. Brad, what kind of stationery is in your life right now? <laughs> All of the good stuff, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I wonder sometimes, you know, about, about the good stuff. That's why we're going to we'll talk about it this episode. But right now, the good stuff that I'm using, what's in my life right now that I've been using the most, probably with me, that's, that changes from like week to week. It's not like an annual thing. So it's a pretty <laughs> quick turnover. I'm using the Opus 88 Halo, which is a fountain pen I recently brought, bought. Um it's a Taiwanese brand, uh, I believe. I, as soon as I say that, it might be Korean, but I think it's a Taiwanese brand. Um, they make these really nice acrylic Japanese eyedropper fill pens to where they just kind of have bulk ink capacity built into them, which for their price point, you don't normally get that type of ink capacity. Uh, so they're about 100 bucks, depending on you know which which styles and models you get. They're around that range. So not cheap, but not like crazy expensive for some fountain pens. But um, I really enjoy like the build quality of it and how it fits my hand, how it feels. Uh, the nib on it's real good. It's just a steel nib. Um, it has a, a large, large ink capacity, which I filled up with an ink that I'm kind of hooked on. It's Sailor Tea Time Coffee Ink, which I'm a little bit confused on the name. Like, did something get lost? in It's Tea Time Coffee Ink, and I'm a little bit confused. Is this a tea ink or is it a coffee ink? But it doesn't matter because it's brown and it's awesome. And brown inks have always been a challenge for me. And mm. I found one that I really, really love. It's kind of, you know, dark chocolatey, which I, I like. It's I don't really tend to go for the more caramel style browns or sepias I like. Um, but I really wanted like a chocolate brown for mm. my fountain pen. So that's in this pen. And... The thing I've been using the most to write in is the Hobonichi A5 Cousin, which is my planner for 2022. It's really working well for me. This is the first year I've kind of switched over to it. I've tried the Hobonichi Techos in the past. I used a different planner for the last two years uh, from William Hanna, some like pre-printed disc-bound uh, planners. But um, this Hobonichi is working for me really, really well. Of course, it's got the really perfect for fountain pens um, Tomoe River paper in it, so I'm I'm really digging it. But I mean, I use ballpoints, I use pencils, I use all kinds of things in it. So that is, those are my drivers right now. Those are my hitters. That's what we're uh, that's what we're going with, and that's been, you know, for me, that's that's weeks worth of stuff. Which, mm -hmm. you know, my rotation is 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 highly rotatable. <laughs> so <laughs> for me to stick with this stuff um, tells you a lot about what I think about them. Cool, cool. Uh, well, like like you, I've been using, I usually switch up my stuff pretty frequently. Um, I have been chewing up a Blackwing by Scrawler box um, pencil at work. And uh, at work, I kind of go back and forth between a pencil and a pen or even a Sharpie. Um, I keep kids, teenagers love Sharpies. If you put a box of Sharpies on a table they will be in the hands of the teens within the moment they walk in the room. It's just, <laughs> they're like magnets for the teens. Um, and they just love them. So I just, you know, the kids like drawing with them. So I, I provide them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also use them and I do, I use these uh, handmade sketchbooks that I've been 
making out of trash prints um, at work for most of my work notes because they're also really good for sketching because I'm trying to show the kids how, okay, keeping a sketchbook is really helpful for you when you're thinking about your art projects because I'm, I'm working in a print shop now. Um, and so having that sketchbook on hand and it, the paper in it is just, it's um, Fabriano printmaking paper. I can't remember which one it is. I was looking at the watermark uh, when I was working in my sketchbook this morning. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's all watermarked. It's like 140 pound. And I just like tore it down to the size of my sketchbook. <laughs> I can't like, I don't know, growing up uh, this, and this feeds into using the good stuff growing up, like, I didn't have that kind of paper and we're providing this kind of paper for teenagers and middle school kids and elementary kids to make art on, which just blows my mind. <laughs> um, you know, cause when I was a kid, you got, you know, Rose art sulfite drawing paper, which is just, it's nice for quick sketches, but it's crap, right? Yeah. It's just, just yeah. it turns yellow after, you know, six months. If the sun even like is on it for like five seconds is just turns brittles and fall apart. Um, but yeah, so these kids are getting this really nice paper. So the kids will like, they'll do something and they'll throw it and be like, God, don't, don't throw that away. <laughs> I can, I can make a book out of that. <laughs> they, they think I'm a little nuts, but that's okay. But then also, you know, I'll be like, Hey, you know, we could take that full sheet of paper. If you do this fold, this fold, and this fold, you got, you got a sketchbook. And they're like, Oh, I can use the backside. So now I'm getting the kids into it and they still think I'm wacky, but they're doing it. Yeah. That's the uh, right kind of nuts. Yeah. The, they kind of I think that I hope they enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got that. I've got like the big handmade sketchbook, but I also um, have gotten, you know, it's kind of like I'm out of the house. I'm working. I'm not working from home anymore. Mm-hmm. I've gotten back into having a pocket notebook. And it's handmade, too. It's again, the cover is made with um, um with some scrap paper that we had at work. And it looks great. It looks awesome, in my opinion. Um and I keep that pocket notebook in a Notco fodder stack XL, which I know I'm going to get messages. <laughs> it is not for sale. None of my fodder stacks are for sale. I use them, um, but I don't know that I'll, they're so handy. I don't think I'll ever, now that they're not made anymore, I don't think I'll ever sell them because I just, I use them constantly. Um, they just keep my, like my notebook stays so much better inside of it. So, so anyway, there's that. And, um, one of the things that I have been using all the time at work and I accidentally brought home with me, I wasn't even thinking about this as one of my, the stationary things that is in my life. I have been using a P22 type gauge multi-tool every day at work. And it, it's so great because it's all rounded over on the edge and I can stuff it into my pocket, which is why about 50% of the time I bring it home with me. <laughs> um, but the great thing about it is like one side of it has the point size for all of your type from um, six points down to 60. It's also got a type high gauge on it. So basically I can I can stand at the letterpress machines, the two Vandercooks, and like make sure that everything's letter high. I can also, you know, check my my font size or my type size um when i'm when i'm setting trying to put the font away um 
so that is just it's been indispensable and a friend of mine um gave it to me so it's it's extra special it's a little gift from mitchell so yeah i i've never seen this tool and i'm I'm looking at it wondering how you use it then you explain how you use it i was like that is fascinating that it's like really yeah. really specialized but really kind of perfect at the same time like i i love everything about it i'm like shaking my head about it, at it going like yeah. yes this is awesome yeah it's it's like I don't know. I, when he when he gave it to me, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to use it. And then mm-hmm. literally every single day <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need it. Mu- Damn it. <laughs> yep. Need it. Um, so it's just it's really one of those perfect things that like you put it in, in your your shop apron and you use it all the time. Yep. Super cool. Very specialized, but super cool. Um, it also like on the flip side where you're looking at the pike is it helps me put away my lead and my reglets and all of these like little things that you use on the press to dummy it up so that it's, it's full um, and your type isn't sliding around. I can, I can measure things to put them away very, very quickly, which when you're doing letter press is so important. Um, but anyway, I could talk about that all day. <laughs> um, we are here and, you know, technically this is using the good stuff. It's a tool mm-hmm. that's good. It's great. And I think this this feeds into the main topic. It's talking about using the good stuff. And so one of the goals that I'm having in in these conversations is I want to talk to people that I know who use the good things that don't just I mean, maybe, yeah, you you get your stash acquisition beyond your life expectancy, Mm -hmm. but you're also using it. And I want people to feel encouraged to use the good stuff after listening to these conversations. So my first question for you, Brad, is do you have any stories from your past about using the good stuff or specifically, more pointedly, about not using the good stuff? (laughs) Things you wish you had used um, or like a reason why you want to use the good stuff? Yeah, this really this question really took me back to like my younger days when I was just figuring out that you could go to a store, you know, either an office supply store or in my case, a college bookstore. A lot of times, you know, we're talking like, you know, I'm an old, I'm talking like back in the eighties when I was, you know, figuring out that, Hey, I like to write a certain way and I like to draw a certain way and I can't find things just, you know, at the grocery store to use or at school to use. And then I stumbled on, you know, a few products eventually over time that one I I did choose to use. The the first one that came to mind was the Pilot Razor Point, which is I guess it got it probably launched back in the 70s, I'm guessing. And it's still made to this day, except it's kind of not as good anymore compared to everything else on the market. But it was like a felt tip pen that came in an ultra fine size, like an extra fine tip size and was black and it was, you know, just plastic disposable uh, marker and you could write really, really small with it. That is right up until you destroyed the tip. So I would always buy those if I ever saw them in a dozen box, like a box of a dozen. You used to be a time where you could go into a store and not only would they would have like individual pens, you know, lined up on the counters, but like below that in the shelves, they would have boxes of dozens of pens and you would just buy those. So I would buy a dozen at a time, bring them home. You know, some you would destroy the first day, some you would get to last, you know, a month or so. And to me, that was like the best thing. That was the good stuff back, you know, like in the 80s when I'm using this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember that, these. 
like you do you do not leave that unattended right you do not <laughs> let your family find these at home you know and you know they eventually made them in other colors you know just some basic colors red blue green they had this copper weird kind of copper brown and purple um so yeah like they were that was like the good stuff like i would save up or just like make sure that i always had that like that was important to me to have that because at school i wouldn't always you know have like the the perfect thing that i wanted to use so that reminds me at the same time the good stuff that i was scared to use at the time that i Mm. i didn't use that would have been good were the engineering type pencils right i tended to fall back like my goal my whole goal in life was to write small Right. I just like to write small. That was what I do. And mechanical pencils and engineering pencils like those are tailor made for that. You know, point five lead size is is great for writing tiny. And the same places I was buying these razor points I could buy. I could buy like an engineering style pencil, you know, with like a really fancy kind of lead pipe, you know, very pointy and and very nice looking. And those were probably at the time, probably like 10 bucks. And I was just like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's not do that. And I would stick with like the the Pentel side clicks or just whatever, you know, more generic type of mechanical pencil. And like those work fine. Like those those were good for me at the time. But I always I would always stare at the engineering pencils and then go buy, you know, like some more razor points or something like that. Yeah. 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 And then I, when I got older, when I got like out of college, out of high school, so like razor point was like the high school college type of pen for me. And then when I graduated and was like working, um, just various jobs or whatever, I discovered the pen. It's still made to this day. Another one, it's called the Uniball Deluxe which at the time is a very businessy looking pen. It's kind of, you know, made to like look nice at a desk or clipped on a shirt. Um, but it was a roller ball and it came in a 0.5 tip, which mm. was pretty rare at the time. This is probably like in the nineties, mid nineties. Yeah. This so. was the grown up pen. Yeah. This is like, Oh, it's like now I'm graduating. Right. Like I'm going to yeah, get yeah. The, the big boy pen. This is like <laughs> the, this is the Mr. Business pen. Right. And you know, but I liked it because again, it wrote small, but it was also again, like the pilot razor point, a liquid ink. So this is before I've discovered like all, you know, the Japanese stuff that we'll get into later and the micro tip gel pens and things like that. This is what you could get at the store. This is, this is more like in the yeah. office Mac staples, you know, office Depot heyday where you could go in and buy like a four pack or five pack of these. So a tangent question, Mm -hmm. tangent question. Do you remember the first time you went into like a Staples or an office Depot or like one of those, like, you know, business supply stores? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The first time I don't remember. I remember more the bookstore that I shopped at growing up and then like a huge gap until I was probably, Late 20s, mid to late 20s to where I was kind of, you know, working like desk jobs or office type jobs and wanted my own supplies and then Mm -hmm. kind of went back into that realm. So my original like office supply stores were either college bookstores or the teacher supply stores, which were a a very common thing um, where, you know, the school teachers would go and they would they would get a lot of cool stuff for, you know, like their classrooms and stuff while well, they also had pens and things there. So yeah. those were kind of my, my first kind of office supply store. So I don't remember when the, the big retailers kind of came into play. 
Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was like, we we talk all the time about going into the, one of those mm-hmm. like big office mm-hmm. retailers, but I don't remember going like certainly not when I was in like elementary, middle or middle yep. school or even high school. Nope. I don't remember ever going into one of those stores. Like I remember the first time like I stood in front of the stationery section mm-hmm. at our local grocery store. It was just like this pitiful (laughs) you know little four foot section of stuff and then going next door to the pharmacy store that has slightly you know six foot section of equally pitiful stationary supplies um and not until i was in high school did we have like wasn't was it It was a rite aid um which is now what a walgreens i don't remember what it is anymore so but anyway and then they had a much larger less pitiful selection of things also i mean i grew up in a very very rural area so you know our offerings were not all that great yeah um we had to drive two hours to go to someplace like a a department store wow yeah um but i was just like thinking like when when did those places you know start to expand everywhere but that's a totally total tangent question you know like yeah, well, it comes in it comes into play because that's like that's where I was getting some of this stuff as I as I got older, and that's actually where I found my first like mm. micro tip gelling pen, you know, yeah. so things like that. So, but it it for me like I can't remember the beginning, but it had to be like mid to late nineties for me, which I'm sure they were around much earlier than that. It was just never like in my thought process when I was in high school in the eighties, like I was not going to those types of stores, but I I was avoiding like you say like the grocery stores and stuff like that. So yeah. So, um, those, those, that's the good stuff back then. And then, you know, for paper wise, the, the paper cover moleskin, uh, Kaye's, the big ones, they made kind of like a, between an A5 and A4 size. Mm-hmm. Like I, for some reason, I don't know, I really latched onto those like in the nineties and like, that was, that was like as good as it gets. Right. Like that was it for me. It was, I always had like a stash of like five of those and yeah, I don't think I ever filled one up in my life, but <laughs> you know, I, I still had those that was work notes, you know, any, you know, creative notes, anything like that. So mm. those were, those were my original good stuffs of me kind of coming up in the stationary world. Like those were the things I remember to this day of really caring about, getting those things to, to write with and enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Is there, was there a point at, or any, any point in your, in your stationary growing up where um, you kind of felt like you didn't want to use the good stuff or you needed to hoard it or like buy extra or just held on to it? Cause you know, you didn't feel like you could use it or should use it or whatever. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely did the hoarding thing for sure, right? Like if I'm buying dozen boxes, like, and I would use, I would use like all dozen pens, Mm. but maybe, you know, I would buy a second dozen when I still have like seven pens left in the first (laughs) one (laughs) because I didn't know when I was going to be back to the store. And then Mm -hmm. those sit a little bit longer than you think. And then you forget you have them and then you buy another dozen like six months from (laughs) and it just kind of builds upon itself. Um, I always wanted to use it at the time um, because like I, I felt totally reasonable about like those types of things at the time. They really gave mm-hmm. me enjoyment. They really made my writing look good. Like that's like that's what I cared about at the time is I've always had somewhat decent handwriting. And then that transitioned into like really excellent handwriting. And I wanted to keep it and figure out the things that could make that better. 
So what do you think? So that that kind of answers or starts into the next next question. What triggered your interest in using the good stuff? Like why you said you wanted to write smaller in high school. Yeah. But as you've gotten older, why why buy the expensive fountain pens? Why use the expensive most importantly, why mm-hmm. use them? And why and the inks? Why 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 buy a $30 bottle of ink and use it? Right, right. I I think it's just kind of plays into my personality a little bit that I I get enjoyment from seeing a bright green ink on the page and that ink came from, you know, the Netherlands or something like <laughs> that. And it's just like this really weird kind of headspace that like I think about like as much stuff as I currently use. Like I think about like, hey, someone made this pen, you know, if it's a smaller maker or this ink came from this really cool place that I might not see in my life, but now I have the internet to where I can shop and, mm. and do that kind of thing. And, you know, support these makers of this community that I'm a very big part of. And, you know, it's all because I've wanted to just build like the ultimate customization of my own handwriting, my own style, my own forms of expression on the page. Um, Like I I mostly just write words and then I sketch some, right? Like I don't necessarily like draw or paint or, you know, do, do other things um, creatively other than write a lot and to have like something different every day is really fun for me (laughs) like it gets it gets me going it's important to me to sit here and while i'm talking to you see you know like two pen cups full of pens and like the pen i'm using to like take notes if i need to like on this podcast like i'm comfortable having all of this stuff around and the way that i'm built as a person it it really works for me and it's like a safe space and the pins are my friends. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, it's like it, it makes me happy. It gives me joy, makes me comfort. Oh, by the way, it makes my writing look really good. Mm-hmm. And I can really customize, you know, everything I want to my taste to like the nth degree. So, yeah, it's just like a, a super personal, personal thing for me. Has there ever been anything that stopped you from using the good stuff in the past? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so money, for sure, right? Like, yeah. you know, the like I've bought very expensive fountain pens. I still do buy very expensive fountain pens, and it's a big consideration to spend a lot of money on a pen. So, I've always taken it as I, I've changed a lot over the years in the way I acquire things for my own personal use. So I'm in a little bit of a weird situation where I, I kind of have like two sources to get things. One, I'm given a lot of stuff based Mm -hmm. on my job. So I have just things, right. Things around. And then secondly, I have stuff that I consider like my personal stuff. Right. So I'm mostly just talking about the personal stuff. I really try to consider what I'm buying why I'm buying it and I never buy anything that is not going to be used no matter if it's, you know, a $3 gel ink pen or a $300 fountain pen, right? If I'm making the decision, you know, I've always said like, I'm not running a museum right at my house. Like my most expensive pen 
gets thrown in my pocket just like my most inexpensive pen. I don't treat them differently. And it didn't used to always be that way. That used to be a big hang up. It's like, oh, well, I've I've saved up and I've spent all this money on this really fancy thing and I'm going to sit here and, you know, stare at it on my desk and <laughs> you know, yet not use it for what it's intended for. Well, then why did you, why did you spend the money? It's like, well, well, I spent the money cause it's, it's awesome, but I, I also don't want to break it or drop mm-hmm. it. And I was like, it took me a while to get over that. And now like, I'm really free with everything I own. Nice. Um, I don't like, I don't mind spending the money on a product and then when I get that product, I don't mind being completely unconcerned about what happens with me using that product, right? So when we were traveling to to pen shows, I would bring some of my most interesting pens with me, some of my most expensive pens with me to share with other people who haven't had the opportunities that I've had to acquire mm-hmm. some of this stuff. And would force people to use these pens <laughs> that <laughs> other people would think I'm crazy. It's like, why would this leave the house? Why would you let someone else use it? Aren't they going to ruin it? And it's like mm. you're missing the point completely of what I'm trying to accomplish is to make this yeah. a comfortable thing. And for people to understand why we're acquiring these things that, are, let's face it, are not necessities to life. Right. This is all just, you know these are all extras, right? Like we don't need the fancy pens to it to exist, but to share with people that, you know, to be comfortable around these products that you may not have experienced and start building that up over time. Like I did, like I used to be scared of these things and I used to not want to spend money on these things. I used to hate fountain pens. Like that's one of my, one of my favorites, famous things that always comes back to bite me. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah. I remember saying it looked like we're typing over Twitter to you. You should really try a fountain pen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And now like I'm off the deep end and I've learned a lot about that world and how it relates to how I use things. And, you know, with, you know, I'm going to repeat myself, but it's, it took me a while to get to a point to where I'm just comfortable. Mm. If the pen rolls off the table, it's going to be okay. If I give this pen to my friend to use because I really want them to experience it, I don't care you know, if it comes back with a ding in it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't care. I want to have it and to share it and to use it and to enjoy it for what it is. And that's, you know, in my case, to put words down on the page. You do a lot of, um, or I shouldn't say a lot, but you frequently sell off stuff that you don't use, right? Yeah. 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 So that's a big, big transition for me too, right? Like I used to be like, um, like c- got to collect them all, got to catch them all type of thing. Right. Especially like in the field notes days, like, you know, I was part of, you know, trying to like acquire all the field notes and, mm. you know, I was I, like, I, I was luckily that, that, you know, I was kind of around from the beginning and didn't have to like pay, like I wouldn't go out and pay like crazy prices for that. But I was like, yeah, like I was part of this, these acquisitions and these yeah. tradings and all this stuff. And like, it got to the point is like, well, 
all this stuff is great sitting here on the shelf, isn't it? And it's like, well, not really. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, what's the point? So, and I like, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. Like, if you want to collect all that stuff, like knock yourself out. If you get enjoyment from collecting the things, please do. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love, I love seeing people be passionate about things. And if that means, you know, you're going to, you know, try to collect all the field notes or you have a certain subset of retro 51s that you want to collect and you're, you're making, you know, an effort to go do that. I love hearing about that, but my goal is to use the things that I buy. Right. So Mm -hmm. I've one of the more, controversy isn't the right term because let's face it we're talking about stationary here and pens and paper it's not it's not a big deal i don't know man people get pretty passionate about this stuff like i i had a butcher orange field notes which is the first field notes that they made in the subscription series and i just use it right and people were like like why would you do that is like it literally cost me whatever it cost when it came out and I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like every... I'm not going to sell it. Right. <laughs> so what, what am I going to do? Let it sit here. Like, I'm not going to like, I'm not a person who buys something to like resell it to someone later at a, at a greater price. Like that's not in my DNA. Right. It's either going to yeah. sit here or I'm going to use it or I'll, or I'll give it to someone. Like I, I do not care. Um, it took a while to get to that point. I was like, oh, well, that's not what you're supposed to do, yeah. right? You have these these rare limited things, and you're not supposed to do that. You're, but I've really turned a corner in probably, I don't know, the last five years to where, like, I'm giving all kinds of stuff away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I donate, you donate a bunch of stuff to schools. I did I put up my entire Field Notes collection to raise money for charity, you know, like these things don't don't deserve to sit in a closet untouched. Now, what the next person does with them, I don't care. Right. right. You know, if they want to sit there and look at them like uh, at the museum, that's fine. Like, you mm-hmm. know, knock yourself out. That's cool. But I can't I can no longer just sit with unused stuff. So mm-hmm. you mentioned like I selling stuff like I've gone through a big transition phase in fountain pens, which a lot of people do. A lot of people are on the same path of. It's such a big, broad world in discovering what you like. So it kind of takes, there's a little bit of a process where you kind of escalate and try to find the perfect things for you. And then you end up acquiring too much stuff along the way. So you have to circle back around. And I, I just hate seeing pins in my closet that I haven't touched in a year or two. Yeah. And, you know, I've probably sold. I don't know. I've only sold probably like 40 fountain pens in the last two years, which is a huge number. But like I, ha- I have an enormous amount of pens that I've bought for my personal use. And they're just going to I'm going to keep selling more than I buy. Like I keep buying pens like that's not going to stop. But I'm definitely in the phase of more considered buying and selling a lot more because I'm figuring out what the good stuff is for me personally. Mm-hmm. And then that allows me to call the rest, right? Recoup some of that money that I spent to help pay for the new stuff, mm-hmm. right? You never want to dig yourself in any kind of financial hole because fountain pens can get extremely expensive. Yeah. But you, there's no point in having these things sit there because, you know, you can pass them on to someone else. You can give them to 
you know i i give stuff away just like constantly like all week long like i always have a giveaway on the blog i stream on twitch i always do giveaways there like this stuff's just going and it's because the i'm in this big refinement phase of figuring out the good stuff for yourself and using it right and that's a process it doesn't it doesn't you can't just snap your fingers and say this is the good stuff this is all i'm going to use for the rest of your life you know it it takes a while well and you're always going to i think this is a thing with stationery you're always if if you see something new and shiny you're probably Mm going to pick it up and try it and you know if that works maybe that's going to be the new good thing for you and maybe not um but i i I don't know like this like this stinking black this black wing scrawl box you put in here that I had to go yeah. look up what it is. And now that's the best black wing that I've ever seen. And thanks a lot less. I mean, it's, it's super pretty, but it's, <laughs> it's what a pearl in different, different package. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's a pearl. Um, it could be an extra firm. I'm not sure, but I don't remember exactly what it is, but again, you know, it's, it's just, it's just the packaging. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, in some cases, that's nice. And and the reason that I'm using it is because it was a gift. Mm-hmm. And and that for me is like a whole other side of of the using the good stuff is that sometimes the things that have more meaning to me are the things that people have gifted to me. Like Big the time. scrawler box, pens, <laughs> the Blackwing was a gift from Dade. So, you know, right. it's like and he knows that I just sharpen them up and use them. And that's why he gave them to me. It's like, yeah, you know, sharpen it up, use it. Um, but like, I also know that they're selling singles of it for stupid amounts of money here in the <laughs> United States because they're hard to get. Yeah. Um, and you know, every now and then I'll low key troll Instagram with my stubby 211 that I've been using forever. <laughs> uh, and people, again, they'll do that thing. I'm like, why are you using that? You could sell that for 60 or a hundred or whatever mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of money it's going for. And it's like, well, I sharpened it when I bought it. And just started using it right then and there because it was back then it was what, twenty two dollars for a dozen of them. Yeah. So, you know, that's how much I paid for it. And that's how much it was worth to me. Um, Still, it was a fancy, expensive pencil. But and I don't you know, it's funny. It's like it's about four inches long. It's like the perfect length. And I have no idea where it is. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I've just lost like twenty dollars of a sixty dollar pencil somewhere (laughs) in my studio. Um, Hell, I might have taken it to work with me and one of the kids might have walked off with it. But I don't really care. Um, (laughs) If you you find it, if you find it, you need to get like a little marker and write twenty dollars on the (laughs) remaining piece of it. Then post that on Instagram. (laughs) Oh man, you know someone would buy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's a little pro- section of a pen. Little little a section of of a Blackwing for twenty bucks. It could happen. <laughs> I mean, you, the original Blackwings, you can like literally buy stubs of them just mm-hmm. to test them out, and people pay twenty, thirty dollars for Fine. a box full of stubs um, because you can't you can't get them anymore. Yeah. And that yeah. makes a little more sense to me than you know for a two eleven. But um, yeah. no judgment. Um, you know, one of the things that people would get on my case about when so I got into field notes a little later and initially I was like, well, you know, I should collect them all mm-hmm. like they're freaking Pokemon. But um, I, I would you know, I got to a point where I was like, I'm just ripping the plastic off of all of these as soon as they come in. And so I there were a couple of times where I posted to the group pictures of my brand new field nuts notes 
coming in and the plastic wrap just, you know, ripped <laughs> off of them. Uh, and again, people were like, why? Why? You're not going to use them right now. It's like, no, I'm just I'm taking the belly band, ripping it off. And I'm, I've got this little box. I stuff them in there and then I randomly pull one out. Um, but people, it was like the end of the world. Yep, for sure. But sure. to me, you know, this is something that I say over and over and over again. The real value in all of these things is how I use it. And filling up a notebook makes it, you know, like there's no price that can be put on that anymore. It is invaluable as it is filled with my memories and my ideas and my stories. And that's when it becomes really, truly worth something to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was a deep dive. Yeah. Um, so I guess, and that kind of answers the next question that I had. Why do you think mm. it's important to use the good stuff? Why is it, you know, why is it important to not lock it away in a closet? Why is it important to open it up and use it and enjoy it? So you kind of hit on something that I've only discovered recently, which is a weird thing to say out loud for all the writing that I do is actually filling up notebooks mm. is one of the single coolest things any stationary yeah. person can do. It's better filling up a notebook from front to back is better than any pen or pencil you will ever buy in your life. I mm -hmm. promise you that right now. Like it is the coolest thing that you can do because like notebooks are intimidating, right? Like yeah. they it's like this complete free space for you to put things that it's a non-judgmental space except for your judgment of what you're putting down, which is a lot of our biggest roadblocks, right? Um, so yeah, like it's important to use these things and not hoard these things or not stick them on, on, on the shelf thinking like, you know, whatever pen or notebook is going to appreciate and value. It's important for your well-being, for your mental health, for your education, you know, for your growth as an individual, just to write things down, to use what you have to actually make a dent in the overgrowth <laughs> of notebooks on the shelf <laughs> even if it's just one like like i'm the worst like i'm like i, I feel like I'm the biggest hypocrite because i just have like notebooks and notebooks and pens and pens everywhere but there's no bigger joy especially in in notebooks is is just actually filling them up from front to back like i've even become like i've tried to even slow play my notebooks like i'm a front and back page writer now where i used mm. to just be a front Ooh. page writer right but i'm trying to use them more i'm trying to appreciate like someone made the point to me is like well you're only using half the notebook and i was like okay like you can't put that thought in my head and me not be able to sleep for weeks telling me that <laughs> you know i've spent 30 dollars on this notebook and i only used half of it and now now my life is ruined <laughs> so now now i use the back page of all my notebooks but like that is the coolest thing to do um it's just it it's freeing it's it's you know let's let's face it we're we're in a world right now that is really tough to to like read the news and to look outside and figure out what's going on and to have a stationary fans to have this access to this these brain dump opportunities to clear our head to you know have our own little th personal therapy sessions it's extremely important to grab that notebook grab any pen or pencil the the writing instrument doesn't matter the paper doesn't matter the what matters is that you're using your head using your brain clearing your thoughts you know 
you know, making the, the page wet from the, the tears that are falling on it or the page torn up from anger scribbling at it, which I'll, I'll admit to have done. I like to say I yell at my notebook sometimes. And <laughs> I read an article like a couple weeks ago that um, that said something about don't get emotional in your notebooks. And I almost I almost, I almost went through the screen. <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think it was more from like a, a writing, like a novelist type perspective. And I was like, I, I'm getting a lot from this article, but I'm I'm going to reject that premise. Um, I think notebooks are yeah. very emotional and it's I, I just think they're important tools. Um, you know, the 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 pens, the pens and pencils are like a bonus. I think the notebooks are the key to mm. to pretty much everything that us us stationary lovers do because it it can just be so personal and so important and just it's it's a healthy thing to do just to write even if you're just writing scribbles like if you open up a notebook grab a marker and just write circles you're you're improving yourself i i promise yeah. you you might think i'm crazy but like i promise you that is so much better than a lot of the other things you can be doing and more beneficial so I, I that's why i think it's important to just not stash up like notebooks particularly yeah i don't think you're crazy at all i mm-hmm. um as a therapist i suggest to most of my clients um and now that i'm not so i am a therapist i'm still a therapist but I'm not working strictly as a therapist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I in, have always encouraged my clients and I also encourage my students to keep a journal if it's safe to do so in their home. Um, working with kids, a lot of times parents don't have. Uh, anyway, that's not a yeah, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. <laughs> go there all day. But like, you know, if you have the ability to use a journal um, to record your thoughts, to explore your feelings. The great thing about it is that it can hold all of it. It can hold all of your anger, hold all your fears and your sadness and your happiness and your joy too. I think the important thing when you're getting emotional in your journal is to express the full range of emotions mm. in it. Yeah. Um, and it can hold it. It can take it. And and then when you're done, you close it up and there you go. You know, it's such a safe place. It's such a wonderful way to express yourself. Um and I think more people would do well by themselves to grab a journal, even if it's just a cheap 50 cent composition notebook and get started with it. Yep. Um, not because that is not crazy at all. Yep. Um, and there are lots of studies to back that up, too. So, you know, if anyone's, you know, coming at you, there are lots and lots of journal uh, articles out there that are peer reviewed that tell you that using journaling helps depression, helps anxiety, and can help you kind of understand yourself and, and you know, face your goals, uh, set goals and intentions and whatnot for your life. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, that, that's that's a place I could go all day. Um, <laughs> so this is kind of a like a, a 180 degree question from what mm-hmm. we've been talking about. When it comes to stationary collecting versus using, why is it? that there is seems to be such a deep divide between these Mm. two groups of people. It's like people get real fiery about this stuff online. (laughs) And what what do you, why, why? I know I, this is, this is a tough one because I've, I've been on both sides. Like I've been, I've been collector guy, you know, Mm -hmm. plenty of times. I think it's, it's, it just must be some like natural inclination that a lot of us have to just like, collect and hoard and i don't know it's just i don't know maybe some primal thing that we're still living through i don't know yeah. but it's just like 
you know, once you kind of start down this path, you know, let's just take a field notes or black wing and you like you, you, it gets your hooks in you and then it's hard to say no. And, you know, you found something you love, but what if the next one's better? And what if I can't get it? And it's just, you know, it gets to a point where it can become an unhealthy obsession. Mm. So, you know, you have to I, I never got to that point and, and I don't really collect anything now. Like I have things, right? I don't collect things. Yeah. Um, I don't go out of my way to chase things. You know, I've I've gotten over the FOMO stuff that is real, you know, that a lot of people have and you know, a lot of companies do, you know, a really good job of marketing to that. Mm. Um so it's as I've gotten older and wiser, right? I have I understand what my needs are, what my wants are, and what my desires are, and understand that, you know, that you don't have to get caught up in that. But why is there such a big divide? It's really hard to say because, like, what I want to say is that it's just is is the cold reality of of dollars and cents, right? People assigning value to things that for other people have no value Mm. and having to argue a stance that says, no, this is X and other people saying, eh, well, I'm going to set it down in my coffee cup on top of it. And it's probably going to leave a ring. Is that cool? And so there's these mentalities where both, you know, the opposing sides of those mentalities would freak out at the other one for doing that. And, you know, not, there's nothing wrong with either side. It's just figuring out like what's going to give you personally the most enjoyment and the most happiness. And you know, like, if you're a collector and someone doesn't get it, like that's okay. Like they can yeah. be right too for using their butcher orange field notes as a coffee coaster, right? <laughs> that's okay. You know what? Because that's what they chose to do with that notebook and it's giving them the most enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the coffee coaster notebook person can say, well, that person has it over there, you know, sealed and, you know, graded and plexiglassed and, you know, it's in the safety deposit box. And you know what? That's their thing too. So, you know, it's just like a lot of things with, with two sides of the story is just, you know, can we meet in the middle of the ground and, and respect each other's decision? Yeah, uh, hopefully. But, you know, it used to get pretty heated in, in the stationary community, uh, still probably does in some areas. Yeah. I know uh, some Retro 51 um, releases, like uh, people get hot and bothered if they can't access them. And I was like, you know, there's going to be another one tomorrow. Like, you're yeah. going to be all right. You're going to be all right. So it did. But like, I, I, I'll raise my hand guilty of chasing, chasing down this stuff back in the day until yeah. it got to the point where I'm looking at, you know, 20 pens that are sealed up in their can in their boxes i'm like just shrugging my shoulders like why it's like so i just like like you said you know like with your field notes just start opening and, and using them just like crack them open get them get them in use and you know if you want to you know sell them or pass them on or give them away go for it it just it, it got to be too yeah. much for me it was overwhelming yeah i hear that um there's a point where i was taking field notes and i, I was recipient of this a couple of times um, and just pop them into an envelope uh, and send them to a friend. Like, mm-hmm. here you go. Yeah. Have 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 a uh, red blooded. Here you go. Yep. Have I, I'm trying to think of like another one. Um, you know, and just like put them out into the mail, put them out into the world. And I think like once they're sent out like that, yep. it, it people are more likely to use them. Yep. Um, and I think that's I did the exact same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's just a cool way of like, you know, spreading the stationary love as well. Um, and I, I don't know. I like it's one of those things that um, the arguing between the collecting and using kind of r- ruins mm-hmm. some of the stationary spaces for me. It's like sure. I don't I don't I really don't want to get into this argument. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I do enjoy poking the bear a bit. Hence my posting the stub of a 211 <laughs> or I am a guilty of often posting pictures of field notes as my coaster you know like (laughs) that is something guilty i did it almost daily for a while oh Um, i didn't even realize that i wasn't saying that because of you no i didn't know that at all (laughs) so i have so i keep all of my old pocket notebooks and they're all lined up probably half of them have coffee rings on them um because it's just like a like idea I would get to work, I'd, I'd flop my, you know, field notes out on my table and just, you know, plop my coffee cup on it because I didn't have a coaster. Yeah, um, no and, you know, that's just and someone um, I had several people <laughs> send me coasters. And I, I think it was, you know, like a cute like, please stop, please yeah. stop ta- taunting me. Um, but also, like, you know, I got some really cool coasters, so that's nice. Um, but anyway, um, so the next two questions are kind of linked like one of the things that i wonder about a lot and i hear a lot of people you know a lot of a lot of people go out and they buy journal after journal after journal after journal um you know looking for the perfect journal so that they can write their perfect novel in it or they can finally use it as their you know place to journal um and then they get home and it's too expensive too nice the paper's too nice the paper's too this um and i hear a lot of people saying they don't feel worthy enough to use the good material. Mm-hmm. And I felt it myself. You know, there have been sure. like, you know, times where I question, like, is this idea worthy of a 50 cent composition notebook to go back to my previous conversation um, that I've had with others about this? And, you know, I have to wonder if some of this stuff holding people back from using their good stuff is linked to them not feeling worthy to be creative. Um and what are your what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think I, when people say that? Yeah, I think it's completely related, right? The way I see it, at least in my head, that my, my the non scientific me like brainstorming, thinking about this type of thing, right? I think it's it's like directly correlated that the people who turn out to be the the creative types, the artists, the writers, the musicians, the painters, the poets are the least inhibited. Um, with their tools, right? Like we, well, I won't say we, like me, you know, I could, you could say that I glorify the tools, right? Based on, mm-hmm. you know, what I do for a job. And like, I, I can't argue against that, right? Like I'm talking about t- the tools, not necessarily how you use them. Well, if you talk to an artist or a writer and like, if you're reading an interview or uh, an inter- interview with them or something like that, and the question comes up is like, Oh, what, what you know pen or paint did you use for for this piece and they'll go i don't know i i just Mm. found it in the drawer or it's i don't know it's the paint i picked up from the the corner store i i can't remember what it's called it's like that that's a level of freedom like i can't comprehend right but it directly ties into that ability to look at a notebook crack it open and go and like that's like that's something like I'm jealous of, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting there. Like I feel much better 
over the past few years than I did, say, over the previous decade of grabbing any book, no matter what the price, the story behind it, how it was acquired, and opening it and going to town than I used to be. I used to be look at, you know, say my notebook shelf or my not necessarily the pens, but again, like the notebooks apparently are my real stickler. Mm. Is look as being particular. It's like, ooh, well, what am I going to use this for? Is it going to be a specific thing? Is it going to be, you know, a general thing? Is it going to be for sketches? Is it going to be for journaling? Is it going to be for this or that? Mm. And just then the the next thing you know, it just ends up back on the shelf and it's nothing. Like it ends up being nothing because you're just locked up. You just can't move past it. And the people who can like they I, I just really believe like that's where the creator creativity comes from. And for me, it was a switch. I, there was no defined like moment, but like there was just like this context switch over time is like I am comfortable using anything at any time for any situation. Yeah. Um, and I'm better off for it. But like that's not something that also necessarily came naturally. Right. It just kind of came yeah. over time. But um, yeah, like. Um, and that, that worthiness is, is a, is a big thing too, right? Like I, I, I bring that up to the, the point I made earlier about, I would bring my most expensive or rare pens that most people don't get to see in their lifetime and throw them on a bar full of drinks and <laughs> beer and, you know, food and grease and like literally not care and like give people panic attacks, Right. It's because they're just as worthy to use those things as I am. And it's me trying to build up that, you know, that not the confidence of it, but like, hey, the idea that, oh, you know what? I can use these things, too, if I'm so inclined. Right. There's no there's no limit to, you know, being able to whether you're worthy or not to to use any type of product. It's just like this this personal kind of for me, it was like a personal growth thing. You know, I felt good enough about myself to be uninhibited about the things I use. And I try to get that across to, to other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's also, I think part of like being creative is, is figuring out what you do like. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of that is tied into like the collecting. Mm-hmm. You collect stuff until you find what you like, which is, you know, you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, a brief anecdote about, I got to, um, I got to take a workshop, um, by a relatively well-known paper maker and book artist, uh, back in the very late nineties. And he had gone to Mexico and learned how to cast this paper fiber, um, into these molds that looked like faces, but were flat. Mm-hmm. And then he made it into a journal and this journal from his days in Mexico. And he was still working in it as he like worked on continue, continuing his ideas and evolving things. It's like two inches thick and about like a foot square, maybe, mm. maybe eight inches square. It was beautiful. It was like one of these most beautiful book objects I've ever seen. And he was just using it like nothing like yeah. <laughs> not, not it's like, I was like, Oh my God, that's like amazing. And it's like blowing my mind. Um, and then I saw what he was working in it with. And he he did everything with an ultra fine point Sharpie mm-hmm. and Cotman watercolors. 
And I was like, are you like, you know, I was just, I'm just out of college and like I'd had beaten into my head. Don't ever use anything in your journals or your sketchbooks that isn't archival. Right. It's like Sharpie's not archival. And this guy who's like a master of his particular media is working in this thousand dollar journal with like this most beautiful paper with a friggin' Sharpie and yeah. Cotman watercolors, which are like the cheapest student grade stuff that if you brought that into your college watercolor class, those professor sneered. And, you know, again, you know, it was just like you're using a Sharpie. He's like, love them. Everyone yeah. hates them, but I love them. I like how they work with the paper. I like how the watercolors, they resist the watercolors on this paper. He's like, I don't care. It gives the archivist a job after I'm dead. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that was just like, he's like, I can. And he also said, you know, I can get a Sharpie anywhere. I was able to get Sharpies in Japan. Was able to get sharpies in China, and I was able to buy a 12-pack of sharpies in Mexico. Everywhere I've been, I've been able to buy a sharpie. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. That's you know, that awesome. was a good stuff for him, but also, you know, he's working in this like thousand-dollar journal. <laughs> and it's like killing yeah. me at the same time. Yeah, but, like I, I don't, mean, know, I it's just yeah. Anyway, what yeah, were you that's say? The, that's the thing about being being worthy, like it. Like we don't need any of this stuff to create, right? Like we yeah. like this stuff, we enjoy this stuff, we're passionate about this stuff. But all of these things are like a luxury item. So yeah. you kind of gotta you gotta get past that 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 you know we have these you know passions and desires, you know above like the basic needs, right? So when yeah. we have those passions and desires, we start to think about things and we start to explore and we start to learn and we start to like educate. Like I like to educate other people about these things. And like, this is, it's not like an instant thing, right? It's a lifelong, you know, process yeah. and yeah. a lot of judging myself over decisions I've made like in the past. But like, I basically, I just got to the point where I gave myself like permission to not have rules for anything that I use. And that's mm -hmm. what that artist was doing is like, it, it doesn't matter. Like these, this is what, you know, I'm going to do, it makes me happy. It's like, I don't think about this. I'm going to create. And then it, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's a $3 pen or a $300 pen or a cheap right. notebook or expensive notebook. Yeah. And, you know, you just go to town. Yeah. It's one of the things that I think working with kids has been really good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, has been like, like I said, the Sharpie situation, like the watching kids get super excited about Sharpies <laughs> um or, or like you know any any of the materials that we have and they'll just sit down and they'll they'll draw they'll doodle they don't care if you know the the colored pencils are prismacolors or nice colored pencils they'll just use them they don't care if they're like it's just they're so excited to be there and make art and it's like that is something for me to remember too. that sort of youthful, like I got these materials. I don't get these materials at home, and even though, you know, I have, you know, I have, I have Sharpies at home, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, like I have all of these materials and there's, so there should be nothing that stops me from making art. Um, and, you know, I think every adult should spend some time with kids who want to make art or may, be creative in some way and allow themselves to kind of feel that, childish joy in the creation no matter what they're using yep yeah agree more yeah so we are we're near the end mark here do you have anything else to add to using the good stuff 
I, I just think the big takeaway, like I kind of alluded to at the end, is just give yourself the permission to do it, yeah. right? You have to allow yourself. You've bought the thing. Like we're past that point, right? I think a lot of people are listening to this. You like know what we're talking about when you look in mm-hmm. the closet and there's a stash of stuff. We're past the point of buying stuff. Now you got to give your permission, yourself permission to not have any rules for what comes next, right? Throw a pen in your pocket, you know, stick a, a notebook in 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 your bag, you know, throw it down in in the dirt, you know, write on it, do whatever. Don't. There's no more rules now. You have the thing. It's sitting there. It has a purpose. Use it. Mm. Absolutely. Here, here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get this wrapped up. So. Um, one of the things that's new to the revamp of RSVP is that we have a voicemail where your uh, listeners can call and leave messages. And as I'm required to, you will be recorded and I might use those recordings on the show, uh, which is a whole point of having those those messages. Um, I'm hoping to get a bunch of them and I can answer questions. We can explore things, maybe have you on the show. We'll see what happens. The phone number is 978-712-0705. Brad, where can people find you? You can find pretty much everything I do at penaddict.com. Everything's linked there. Um, I'm at Dowdyism on Twitter, penaddict on Instagram, and I stream about stationery on Twitch at penaddict. So just go to penaddict.com. All the links to all those fun things are there. Cool, cool, cool. You can find the podcast at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. We do have a a lively and active uh, Facebook group, which I am no longer on Facebook, but I think I'll shout it out because I know it's awesome. You can find me, Les, at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, Instagram, and Twitter at Original LC Harper. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.